Hi, I'm Scott. I'm a compulsive overreader. My phone, my phone number is 718-877-4898. I'm open for calls and texts. That's the East Coast, as I'm from New York City. Okay. And I just want to get this out of the way. I've been in the program this coming up spring. I will be in the program for 30 years. And it's and I never thought I could stick to anything as long as I've been with this, but this is the best place to be because I've gotten some sort of normalcy with the food, normalcy with the life, because I, I, was total, I was totally off the wall with the food. I got to the point where I learned to lie about the food. I stole money for the food. And no matter what, how I was caught, I never told them the truth. And, you know, my parents really knew what was going on, but they couldn't pull anything out of it. I do come from, you know, I am a relapse survivor. I do come from the big numbers. I was following a weight loss plan that I swore by because they gave me all the, non, the non-caloric foods that I could eat, and I literally pinched myself to a to a weight loss. Now, I did not start out as a compulsive overeater. I never had those problems. I never had the weight problems until I hit maybe nine years old. When the food was available to me, I was able to charge things out during the summer, and I came back heavier than than when I started, despite the physical activity, of being away at a summer camp. And... You know, and I tried to lose the weight on my own and couldn't. My doctor put me on my first diet when I was about 10 years old. And I did it to get the approval of my parents. The food gave me approval because it never talked back to me. It soothed me. It It was a comfort when I was so stressed out. My mother was very well meaning, but control, but very controlling. You know, I a lot of times felt shame if I didn't stay, you know, if I didn't measure up. My father was very passive, and very rarely did he stick up for me. So I did go to the food. My first diet was given to me by my doctor. I figured I would get the approval of my parents, you know, to lose some weight. I would certainly stop the doctor from yelling at me, from constantly losing weight, gaining weight. But I, you know, each time I came into his office, and it worked for a little while, but eventually I went back to the food. Now, it wasn't that bad at the beginning. It did not stop me from physical activity. You know, I was a sports person. I played Little League Baseball for quite some time, you know, during high school. So, and I was able to do it, but the teenage years really brought it on, and... You know, and, it, and I look back, it got to the point where during junior high school, I wore through so many pairs of pants, you know, on the thighs because, you know, because I had heavy thighs. And it was literally costing my parents a lot of money to replace the pants. They just couldn't be repaired. You know, and I went from a, I went from a children's store to an Army and Navy store to a big man store and eventually a mail order catalog. For, it was from, you know, you know, for a big person because I got beyond this, the stores itself. 
when it came time for my for my bar mitzvah, I remember the the person in the store for my suit mentioning not husky but special sizes. You know, I had to go to a well known store which is no longer in existence. You know, the the salesman says special sizes, but a lot of places called it husky because it was for young people. I didn't care for it. I barely was able to get a tuxedo for the reception. You know, they had to do all sorts of alterations to get it to fit. And it was really the same thing a year and a half later for my sister's wedding. You know, it was still special sizes. It was still special sizes. My parents tried anything. They tried shame. My grandmother was the same thing. You know, it's a shame. You do much better when you want to do this. They tried bribery, a dollar a pound, until they saw that I was getting paid for the same few pounds because I was always getting it back. Now, I was always getting it back. The years that I went to a summer day camp, they always gave snacks at the end of the day. I would have one, go home, tell my parents I gave up the snacks so I could have something from the ice cream truck that came by during the summers, and they believed me. I was able to have the extra snack, you know, during the during the night also. Like I said, lie about it. When I, you know, I never learned to manage money because I was always spending on food. And when I didn't have the money, I was able to sneak into my mother's room during the night, you know, or during, you know, when she was sleeping, and literally take money out of a, out of a change purse. And she never knew about it, or at least she never said anything so I could have the extra money for the food. School lunches, they had the sandwich, you know, the food piled up, and I always went to town with it. And when I brought my lunch to school, my mother would give me money to buy something to drink with the lunch, and I always spent it on food. And, And she never knew about it until somebody mentioned that they saw me eating the food. And I lied about it by saying... I'm always a little extra hungry, so they gave me an extra, you know, an extra little bit of money for something to snack on. And I still spent it on food, only this time I went off the premises so that I would not be seen. Or, you know, my cousin once said, I never saw you doing the binging, and I don't understand how you got it that heavy, because I was always in secret that I did the binging. I always ate normally in front of other people. I wasn't about to do anything. My parents sent me to therapy. I was, what you need is honesty, and I can never be honest about what was bothering me, what could go, for, you know, why I was going for the food, what was going on at home. I had a habit of, of, of speaking about anything but the issues until I was shamed into quitting by someone mentioning that I was going to a psychiatrist. I felt very shameful, and I just quit. And I just quit. And so ran the gamut through the teenagers. I was getting, gaining more and more weight, doing very little. You know, I was interested, you know, in dating, but I did very little of that because of my body image issues. And the body image issues and, and the dates that I did have, I thought they were just being friendly. It was like mercy dates, you know, mercy dates. And I found out many years later after you know, after I was married, that this wasn't the case, and it got by me. You know, 
surprisingly through unusual means, that so one of the women told my wife that I was gone out, that she was gone out with me despite the way because you know, they saw something in me. This was something that I can never see in myself that despite the ways I have something to offer. It just so happens that the young lady that I married, she she literally told me she didn't care about the weight. And I was losing a lot of weight at the time, so I lost the body image issues. So And when I got married, they started to come on again, and I started gaining the weight. So, you know, gaining weight. I very barely finished college, because, you know, because... You know, because of the weight issue, I very, I very barely finished it. I was able to get a job. Besides, despite the fact that I was a little heavy, I had to make that extra impression, and I was on my way to getting, to really getting married, and the weight came on. Video you know, very quickly. I would, I would go to work. I was working evenings and nights. You know, I would, go, I would go to work. And you bring my lunch, but I get a second lunch in the, in the commissary. My coworkers couldn't believe how much I was eating. When I was working days, I would have breakfast at home. I would go down to the train. There was a diner nearby. I would have a second, a second breakfast. I brought my lunch with me. And then I would go out to, to a restaurant and have another lunch. And that's how it got, and that's how it got so heavy. And then when I started to work nights, down the hall for me, there would be a little room in the refrigerator with food, and I would go in there and take little bits here and there, figuring no one was going to notice it. You know that that I was getting it. I was, and they sooner or later there was a note in the refrigerator. Why didn't you stick to your own food? I was a little more careful in the in the way that I did it. I would also stop off at these hot food bars, stock up, bring it up to my plate to my place of business because I worked alone. And then I would get rid of the stash and then buy more. That's how bad it got. And, I, and no matter what, I could not find that magic formula that I wanted. You know, I wanted to lose weight on my own and still hold on to the binging. Obviously, you can't do that. My wife knew about Overeaters Anonymous. She pushed me into going, and to get the approval, I started going to the meetings, I sat in the back of the room, didn't talk to people that much, listened to the stories or listened to the steps that were being spoken about, and whatever, I would come home. And eventually I said, this is not for me. Well, it really was for me, but I was not ready to do anything about it. To do anything about it, you know, because I wanted the food. And eventually... What had gotten me into OA originally for good almost 30 years ago was the fact that I had been so heavy. I had gotten up to about 471 pounds and following a commercial plan where they gave you all sorts of food to eat. You know, it got to the point where I could not sit behind the wheel of a car, forget about the extensions on the airlines, and I was having so much trouble walking, I couldn't walk more than half a block without being in pain. I was up to about 471 pounds. I pulled out the number that somebody had given me about a treatment center not too far from my house, and I called up, and I was desperate. I said, I can't work. I'm having trouble working. I'm going to lose my job, my marriage. You know, and I can't do anything about it. I have to come in. They said, well, we have no room yet. 
I said, you will make room for me because I'm showing up at your doorstep on Monday morning. They saw the desperation, and they took me in. And while I was there, I had to fight for more time to stay there because I knew I wasn't ready to come home. I was there for four and a half weeks. Now, there was no thought about going to OA. I think I could dry out. They'll get me back on track. I'll go back to the commercial plan. And the doctor said, forget it. Do not go back to that commercial plan. You follow the plan that we're going to give you. I couldn't understand it, but I've learned to do as I was told. I think if they knew better. And what, I, and what had happened was I was sticking to the food plan. I was losing the weight. I had clarity of peace of mind of physical freedom. As I was losing the weight, I was able to do more and more walking. Instead of taking extra buses or cabs to work, I was doing the walking. And I was very happy. I was even getting my workout two hours ahead of time. Because of because of this, but I but I was working. The, I, I come back to OA. I was working the steps. I sponsor. I did service. Whatever I had to do, but I wasn't really working as strong as I should have. I was still on a pink cloud, which broke because we had trouble. I had trouble in the marriage. We were working things out. I came home one morning, found my wife in bed, the victim of an attempted suicide. And within two weeks of seeing her in the hospital, I, I went off. I had, I had some cookies that we should not have had, and I lost the recovery. And I had to admit that I lost the recovery, and I stayed that way for seven years. A second stint in the rehab did not do any good because I was doing it for the wrong reason. I was trying to save my job and my marriage. Both were lost, and I wound up very, very disabled gaining the weight and doing all sorts of binging worse than the first time because it was the relapse was very progressive. It was very progressive. So now when you fast forward when you fast forward five years, I wanted to get into rehab again. It did very well for a for a OA friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine. And when they called up they said, You were in treatment twice the it's not going to work. They got me a scooter to get around in. They offered me gastric bypass, which is said no. And I fought with them for two years. After two years, the treatment center took me in. The, the, re, the insurance paid for it. The, the four weeks that were promised to me turned into eight. And when I came back, I was taking, I followed the food plan that they gave me. Now, for me, it works no sugar, no flour. That's what works for me. They taught me how to cook and to, to shop and to cook and to prepare my own meals. And that was a godsend compared to the other places. And this time, I took it with a vengeance. I worked the steps again. You know, I had a sponsor, and I was doing the service more than I've ever done before. More than I've ever done before. Now, by this time... Five minutes to, remaining. My father, my mother had passed away in my first recovery. My father was sick. I was trying to take care of him, but taking. But I learned that recovery comes first, even before family, and that's exactly what I did. I made my meetings, even if I had to put myself those meetings ahead of family. 
I did service. I started doing service on the meeting level. I moved up to intergroup region and world service. This was the way I, my way of giving back. It keeps me connected to the program. I will, I do not like, I will never turn down you know, a call for service at all. That is what has to be done. That has to be done because without service, we're not going to have a program. We have to have the service. And I've, and I've adopted a, a model of keep coming back. You have to stick around. And that's exactly what I did. I never, ever left the rooms. I have also gone from being unemployable to employable. I had taken a job that was so taxing on my recovery that I literally quit. I gave up the job because the recovery comes first. I was rewarded two years later with a stressful job, but not as stressful as the first one. And I'm handling it better. A job that I've had for 16 years, and I recently... I recently stuck to a goal of when I turn 70, I'm going to retire. I retired two months ago. I am now completely, I'm clear-minded. I can see where I'm coming from. I make my calls. I do the service. You know, I do the service, you know, where, you know, wherever I can do this. And it's been a whole, whole new life. I, I'm, I'm maintaining a weight release of about, of close to 360 pounds. I was up to 550 pounds at my heaviest. I've gone from barely walking across my apartment to walking like, say, five miles a day, and I walk everywhere. It's a different life, and I thank God I'm here. And I'll leave that with it. And I, I'm going to leave this now because I'd like to hear from everybody else. Thank you. Okay. 